everyone and thank you for joining us here on the Recruitment Roundup podcast which is brought to you by BMS Performance. For those of you that are joining us for the first time, BMS Performance is a specialist sales and marketing recruitment consultancy. For the last 30 years, we've been helping businesses across the UK recruit for vacancies at every level. I'm your host, Mike Leather, and every week I'll be joined by a new guest where we'll get stuck into the latest trends in regards to recruitment. We'll talk about insights, we share ideas, we share experiences and ultimately we look to provide value to fundamentally help you, you whether or not you're a hiring manager, a business leader or part of an internal talent team to recruit smarter, faster and more effectively. Welcome everyone to episode 11. This is the penultimate episode of season one and today I'm joined by Graham Halewood who is the COO at BMS. Welcome to the show, Graham. Delighted to have you here with us. Oh, thanks for the invite and delighted to be here too. Great. This, this should be um, a really, really good conversation, one that I've, I've been very much looking forward to and, and keen to get you on to talk about, um, which is the, the change and face of successful recruitment. There's so much for us to dig into there. But before we do, as is customary, why don't you start off, Graham, by giving us some background on yourself? You've been at BMS for 30 years now. Why you got into recruitment and what you do at the company? Um, well, thanks for having me again. Yes, as you say, 30 years ago, I joined back in 1992, employee number seven. Why did I get into recruitment? I think like so many people, it wasn't a positive choice. Um, I came to a, I actually used BMS's services and they found me a job uh, with a small company called Early Electronics which unfortunately went into administration shortly after I joined them. I'd like to think it wasn't my fault. But uh, I went, Definitely not. came back to BMS and uh, um, they said, rather than find you another job, why don't you join us? And as they say, the rest is history. Um, listening to some of your other podcast uh, audience, uh, I think I'm in the same place. Once you're into recruitment, you're in. And you yeah. either love it and really enjoy it, or it's not your cup of tea and uh, you make a fast exit. Yeah. So yeah, 30 years on. 30 years, it's, it gets in your blood, doesn't it? has with me anyway. I'm a third of your time. Um, but yeah, exactly the same. And, and because you've been here for, for so long, I think it'd be great to just take a moment to talk about the different types of jobs that you've done within the company and what it is that you do now. Let's try and keep the podcast relatively short. So it's going to be <laughs> a very quick potted history. Uh, so I joined the business as a CDE, which is very similar to what a BDE would do now within the company. Yeah. So uh, outbound telesales role, trying to find prospective clients to use our services. Two years, uh, two years technical consultancy, two years running uh, what we used to call individual profit centers when that was the structure. I then went uh, into the uh, national accounts concept, which... Um, uh, we launched with a lady by the name of Karen Croft all those years ago, back in 1997, I think it was. Yeah. Um, and this is probably the first step towards my role slowly evolving and changing more into the um, operational area because we weren't computerized back then. We literally had the roller desks on our on our <laughs> on our desk in front of us and a normal telephone. And uh, um, we went from there to being fully computerized, and I probably was the project lead on that perspective. And uh, facilities got more complicated as we had multiple offices and we had the challenges of different teams in different locations, not knowing what each other was doing. So I took the lead on that and and, and slowly and steadily moved more and more in that direction. So uh, to answer your one of part of your first question, what do I do now? I do everything apart from recruitment. Yeah. So, you know, great privilege to work with some fantastic people in our marketing team, in our finance team, in our HR team. Um, you know, IT team. Gosh, I should make sure I don't forget someone because they might listen to this and and yeah. they, um, and 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 feel they, um, a little bit displaced. So it's it's been a, a hell of a journey. Yeah. Wow. What what a breadth of, of experience and 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 also you know the the time when you're talking then about BMS wasn't computerized i could can't even imagine what the company would have been would have been like then but who better to have on to talk about the change in face of successful recruitment because successful recruitment back then 
is no doubt very different to, to, to what it is now. And I think that's kind of where I wanted to kick this podcast off. Um, just by talking about the, the phrase, what do we mean when we when we say the term successful recruitment right now in its current form? How would you sort of articulate that briefly? So successful recruitment, what it looks like, um, I think the key starting point here is the separation between what successful recruitment looks like to recruiters and yeah. what successful recruitment looks like to clients. And internally, we have lots of conversations, don't we, about placements and jobs and send out efficiencies and the shape of our funnel and all this kind of stuff. And it's, you know, as an operating business, we need to be effective. Mm. But successful recruitment is defined by our client and making us a customer centric model is where these things have evolved and changed. And that's the bit that I really wanted to spend our time talking about. Yeah. And and the key bit here, I think the starting point is aligning metrics. Mm. So you'll recall there's been internal conversations, you know, a client wants to recruit multiple people. And what's happened, we've put one job on in our internal system and we try and fill one job. And then we think we've done a good job because we've got an efficiency of one job and one placement. Yeah. But if the client actually wanted to recruit three people, they're sitting there thinking, well, you've done one third of the job. What are you doing, guys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, that's a very simple uh, example. But when I think about aligning metrics, I'm, I'm thinking more the bigger picture. So what is a client actually trying to achieve by recruiting? You know, and, and they'll be thinking about growing their team, getting the right resource into their business model, hitting their sales targets that year, mm. of which one additional headcount forms part of that strategy rather than is the strategy. Yeah. Can I take you back to um, something that you said then? You talked about customer-centric model, which is what it is now. What did it used to be like in comparison? And then we'll revisit the customer-centric piece because I kind of want to dip into that. So these things are all journeys, aren't they? So uh, yeah. I can't say it was ne- it was the opposite of a customer-centric model, yeah. but most businesses operating uh, previously, I don't know what time scale to put on that, were very internally focused. Yeah. So they were looking at their own successes and their own metrics for that success. And to be a good service provider, which ultimately is what we are, Yeah. Um, we want our customers to think we're providing a good service. So that change in this model, and there's been loads of stepping stones that we can talk about. So MPS surveys is a very classic example again. Yeah. Well, rather than us thinking we've done a good job, let's ask our customers. Yeah. And how do we create that feedback loop into the business such that uh, we provide our service, we ask our customers what they think of the service, we listen to what they say, and then we use that to improve our service offering for the next time round. Yeah. Yeah. And as you build that more and more and more into the running of the business, what fundamentally happens is you get happier customers. Mm. And happier customers come back and use our services more and more often. And that drives a growth model, which is great for the business. Yeah. So to answer the underlying question, if your growth model is all about generating new business, then that's not a customer centric growth model. Yeah. Clearly, no new business is going to be a challenge. So it is always going to be an element of the business. But I'm hoping you're seeing this. It's more effective, easier to get more business out of existing clients. Yes, absolutely. Than to, than to bring on new business. Yeah. Yeah. And I, th- I think one of the things that, and I totally agree on that, new business is is, is tough. And, you know, you know, part of my team is is, is new business as well. Um, and I think what we want to be doing is expanding those client relationships. And, and if I think about successful recruitment, it goes beyond the placement of a candidate it's about more about what value do you bring alongside that in terms of market trends market insights and effective communication really being a key piece of that and i love and i love that point the um um i was reading on linkedin a little while ago about a new recruiter and they were celebrating getting their first placement and i thought i got mm-hmm. that but are you celebrating the right thing should yeah. you really be celebrating helping a client achieve their business goal yeah and you know in some ways that's a bit of syntax obviously but there's there's an underlying belief there in terms of what our role is and if our role is to help clients achieve their business goals and 
we achieve that, then let's uh, celebrate supporting our clients achieving their business goals more than maybe celebrating our internal goals. Yeah, and for the for for, for, the, for the client that can be things like you know retention, succession planning, future planning in terms of when they're coming to a market, understanding what the market looks like, getting feedback on them employed. And there's so much, isn't it, that falls under this banner of successful recruitment alongside us being a you know job filler basically and and this is this is the bit that um, i think has been really impressed about this podcast serious to uh, to you know, pat you on the on, on the back mike i think it's been fantastic and um, and just listening to the volume amount of depth of experience of your um your guests yeah. you know, if i was, if you try to add it all up and clearly i'm an extreme example but the number of people at BMS who have 10 plus years experience of helping clients achieve their goals yeah. and hence trying to position our service more in terms of what we can actually do beyond the the bit right in the middle of filling a vacancy. Yeah, I think there's been there's been a, definitely a real drive and we've seen this firsthand post COVID of clients looking for partnerships rather than transactional relationships. You know, it's rare now when I'm sat in front of a client, that client's saying, yes, we're using BMS alongside four or five other recruiters. It's actually becoming more often we actually want to partner with one, two, max. So I think it's on both sides. But as you know, a service provider, as a recruitment um, specialist, we've got to make sure that we're bringing everything to the table in order to, to warrant that as well and, and, and to warrant the client saying right yeah you know i want a partner just with one one recruiter um on on the on, on you said you were an extreme example of that um why don't we we talk about what have been some of the big changes that you've seen in the in the last 30 years i think it based on your experience graham would be remiss if i didn't touch on this a little bit i am um, trip down memory lane um so I joined in 1992, as we've already said, uh, and we weren't computerized at the time, which was a surprise to me because my previous employer was uh, BT. Um, and so I was already used to having a computer on the desk. And to actually then ch- join a company that didn't have it was, was, was a little bit of a surprise. But let's just think about the, the huge changes. And I think the biggest single change was the mobile phone. Yeah. So they did exist in 92, but they were relatively rare. So when you're trying to do recruitment and you're trying to talk to a candidate, not being able to ring them on their mobile phone was a real pain. And and, and we went to some huge lengths. I can remember uh, we rang a pizza delivery company and said, look, we don't care about the pizza. We just need someone to go knock on this person's door and tell them to ring this number. <laughs> And it was the only way. So it cost us, I can't remember, about eight pounds to organise a pizza delivery to someone's house. They got the pizza. We got the phone call. But we needed the phone call to get a deal over the line. You know, it sort of, so things have, have changed massively. The fax machine, which um, probably predates most of our audience, you know, desktops, laptops, smartphones, email, WhatsApp, you know, the, the type of communication, the routes of communication have just changed. And and hence so is expectation. You know, yeah. you can probably imagine a time when you're speaking to a client and they want to see the CV before going to the next phase. Yeah, that used to be painful because you had to post them. Let's talk about time to hire now, don't we? Yeah, we do, don't we? <laughs> what, what time to hire was then? And uh, and and hence the savings in these things that have come through are just enormous. Um, Personal book, black book of contacts used to be a big thing. You'd work with a recruiter because they knew loads of people. You know, LinkedIn, we all now know, has got probably 400 million different professionals on the system and you can pay for a license and you can track down anybody. It doesn't mean they'll talk to you, doesn't mean they'll engage with you, but mm. you can find them as yeah. a start. You know, so some of these things have just changed beyond all recognition. Um, yeah. But some things haven't. You know, it, it's the ultimate people business. Yeah, and uh, the reason why most of us love recruitment and have invested our careers in it is because it's a people business. You're dealing with people; they bring their roller coaster of challenges and emotions to the party continuously, and that's what we enjoy. And and helping clients improve their uh, you know their human resource to use a a horrible uh, cliche is so key in terms of everyone's success. 
yeah. and we can be a really good component part of helping clients achieve that. Yeah, we're going to go on and talk about um, technology um, shortly, but you know, me and Fiona did a podcast on them. Um, on, on AI and one of the things that we discussed is whilst it's going to impact many aspects of recruitment process and talent distraction strategies, strategies even, the um the the the, the people part of, of recruitment won't change and, and that's 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 one thing that will remain a constant. It's funny to talk about fax machine. I actually did use fax machine as part of um as a sales tool. I'm I'm not that old but I'm still <laughs> I'm still old enough to have used a fax machine back when I worked for Auto Trader. We used to um, send send our contracts by fax machines. I remember when I worked at um, Total Jobs, and everyone then would apply for their jobs via the Total Jobs website. Mobile was just becoming a thing, and that would have been back in 2007, 2008. And, so, and to be fair, the Premier League, I think it was up to three years ago, um, would only take submissions for player transfers by fax. Really? Yeah, it's wow. very, very recent. They moved away from it. And and without trying to bore everybody, um, the reason why it's very difficult to intercept a fax from person A to person B and make a change. Mm. So the whole sort of uh, uh, hacking problems that you get with email interception, you can't have on a fax machine. What would you say? Because you've seen it all over 30 years and you've seen these wide changes across the industry. What would you say the pros are and what would you say the cons are of any? I'm just curious because we're on the subject. You caught me on the hop there, Mike. But let's, um, uh, I think one of the big pros that uh, we experienced in as a company, and I know lots of companies did, but not everybody, we'd invested quite heavily in technology to enable us to be more effective. And one of the benefits that we got from that in March of 2020 is everybody could actually do their job from anywhere in the world and yeah. we were not dependent on being in an office yeah um and while we just take that for granted now lots of companies could not do that and they got in a lots of the um, uh, extra challenges that they had to resolve very quickly so i think there's a there's a there's a big thing there i think more generally over 30 years so you remember the facts i love that one um <laughs> on the job i had before joining BMS uh, I was in an office space where the office manager sat on a stage effectively so they could look down on everybody in the office if a director walked into the room everyone stood up right um right. and I think that change in terms of um, what we think is the right approach and treating everybody with respect and creating uh, an open and encouraging atmosphere so everyone has a chance to shine and um, I think that's been huge. Yeah. And difficult to see on a year by year basis, but over an extended period of time, it's just enormous. I first office I worked in, we, people smoked and yeah. you, you almost can't imagine that now. Can't. Yeah. It's inimaginable. I've got people coming in the office um, in the WeWork in Manchester yesterday with about five dogs in the kitchen. It's, um, it, you know, it's it changed massively, hasn't it? And these things are, are, are brilliant. And I, and I think uh, on that journey, um, correctly so, companies are now so focused on output rather than input. Mm. So um, yeah. presenteeism, I think, has gone um, so much in terms of what you actually wear to the office. Yeah, look the part, but if you're not doing it, who cares? And if you are doing it, again, who cares? Yeah, so let's get the outputs right and uh, reward and support people on achieving the outputs we want rather than focusing on people saying the right things and looking the right way. And yeah, so those changes have been brilliant. This all goes back into successful recruitment, though, doesn't it? Because for a company to recruit successfully, it is so much about culture, so much about environment, how they're presenting themselves, but then to retain and then progress that talent, the environment needs to be modern and fit with a lot of things that you've just said so this all leads back into you know the change in phase of successful recruitment oh it, it does and uh, you know i don't know if we'll get a chance to talk about it much evp that you know, yeah. employer value proposition which uh, is is so key um i think we've got lots of companies that are walking the walk and i'm we need to make sure they're also you know 
talking the talk, living it in terms mm. of so there's not a gap. How often do we end up interviewing a candidate who started a new role and then it just wasn't as described? Yeah. Well, yeah, that's bad for everybody involved. The, you know, the, the person who is a candidate, the, the hiring manager who is still a person, the experience for everybody is just it's just poor. And, and I think there'll be lots of progress being made in that area. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, in your view, what um, value do recruitment partners need to bring now to their clients you know, over and above filling vacancies? We touched on it a little bit at the, the beginning of the episode, but if we could go into it in, in more detail and get your perspective on that. I mean, you're absolutely right. It's it's not enough anymore. I, I, I think uh, that someone with maybe a year's recruitment experience in a single marketplace should be able to identify someone who's right for a role and fill a vacancy. I think that's almost like the stage one on your learning curve as being a really good consultant. Mm, yeah. So stage two then starts being the add-ons, doesn't it, in terms of okay, what are you actually trying to achieve by hiring this person? What are the skill sets that are actually going to add value to the company, not only now, but in the future? Uh, why are you finding yourself actually looking? What mm. happened to the previous person? You know, people do move on from jobs. We help people move on from jobs. Um, but can retention be improved? Can training and development be improved? Yeah. Succession planning is one of the things you mentioned. Exit interviews, they, that, that wraparound service that uh, um, exists, insights in terms of the, um, the, the talent pool, there are so many elements here. You know, I kind of feel it, it would be a, a session in its own right. Yeah. But it's incumbent on us as a premium solution. Yeah. Which I, you know, genuinely believe we are a premium solution. We have to go above and beyond mm. the filling that vacancy. We have to add more and more value. And Dan, um, you correctly said, and I really like this. This this transition that's happening in the marketplace to not work with 10 different consultancies at the same time and invest your time, effort and energy into one or two. You know, mm. We have to reciprocate that by adding extra value to justify being one of those, one of those selected partners. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And, and to, to, to dovetail on, on that, I think, and this one of the things that we, 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 do, we do do well is really pushing for regular um, recruitment reviews, regular meetings to really get under the skin of what's happening in a business. You know, I was on a, a meeting <clears throat> this morning with a brand new client and they're considering recruiting for head of BD role um, in the southeast, not until October time, but me being able to give them what's happening in the market, what they might need to pay, the different types of profiles that they might be able to recruit as then enabling them to help with their strategic planning. Now, we're not even in with them yet. We're not working with them. We're not client. It was a prospect meeting, but that's the type of information that companies are expecting now. They want to see what what does a talent pool look like? Yes, you can help me fill my vacancy, but what else can you can you give me over and above that? How can you support our overall recruitment strategy? How can you be more of a, a talent development business rather than you know, just filling our filling our vacancies? So yeah, I think every, concur with everything that you've said. And and this is the the bit about isn't it about I think. Uh, I think about leaning in. So when I think about the relationships between uh, us as a recruiter and clients, but it doesn't have to be us as a recruiter. I think recruiters full stop and clients where the relationship is tried to be kept at arm's length and not engaging and not to, like it can feel an expensive service. Yeah. But we can offer so much more value. And if clients, when clients lean in and start touching on that, that whole value proposition, it doesn't feel quite so expensive. It it drives a much better relationship on every level because mm. there is so many more value points that are added by the huge amount of experience that, that we bring. I don't think we would deliver a solution to a client. There may be there will be individuals in that team who are involved who have less than a year's experience. We hire people, we develop them, of course we do. But if someone's at that level, then they'll be supported by someone like yourself who's got mm. 10 years, 
experience, yeah. Yeah. Um, or it might be by um, you know someone on the fulfillment team who, um, again, you've had a few of them. I think Ed's at twelve years experience. So we, you know we're not. It's so important to get this right. Uh, you know we're not trusting it to just one person who's got six months experience and is trying to run as fast as they can to offer a good service. That's yeah. not our approach, and it shouldn't be anyone's approach in reality. Yeah. Totally agree. Totally agree. So, master subject technology um, changed huge amount, as you've, you've touched on, drastic amount in the last um, you know thirty years. But we just focus on, on on the now. Again, in your view, how is successful recruitment impacted? by technologies and, and what type of technologies are impacting it and make recruitment more successful? I want to kind of split it into two groups of technology. So you've got the group um, where it's making us more efficient as a company. So good example, we use Daxtra as it happens and Daxtra is a software tool that reads CVs and it lifts off the person's name, their address, their email address, their phone number, backfills into our CRM platform, lifts up their skills and education. It's quick, it's seamless, it works well. And most people, even within the doors of BMS, probably don't even know we have it. There we go. Yeah, not surprised. So it's really good, it's really clean, it works. And it drives efficiency from our perspective. It stops people having to read someone's CV and think, oh yeah, that's a good CV and start transcribing their information into our CRM platform. It mm. helps us our efficiency. So you group that. And then you've got the second group of software that uh, improves our service offering as far as clients are actually concerned. Um, and I think uh, um, yeah, we use Hintview, other suppliers are available, uh, but this is a great video tool. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So some people like to read CVs, some people like to get a, a video introduction to a candidate, particularly people at the front end of their careers. The CV is not much of a understanding of who the person is and what yeah. they've developed, whereas the ability to introduce themselves on a short video gives you a much better insight in terms of who you're dealing with. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's a great piece of software uh, that, that clients might uh, appreciate. Yeah, 100%. I agree. And we think, how do these things change? Well, it, to, to video only a few years ago was expensive, clunky. Well, as we all know, that's just not the case anymore. Yeah, It's slick, it's smooth, it's easy. So we can ask for it and we can deliver it. Yeah. Onboarding, love this one in terms of uh, you used to have to get contracts posted out, signed. Again, we use DocuSign, other suppliers are available. Um, but it's digital, it's instant. Uh, everyone knows where everyone is in the signing process. It helps clients smooth out that process. We all know you don't want a candidate hanging in the wind while they're waiting for their offer letter to get to them, still maybe considering other opportunities until they you know, sign the dotted line, turn other things off. Yeah, absolutely. Digital solution. Yeah, yeah. Speed, speed to hire, we, you know, we, take, we take chunks out of this process. Yeah, one of the main reasons companies struggle when they get to the end of a process, um, which is where a lot of the hard work you know goes in to get someone to actually sign the contract and 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 put and possibly pull out of other opportunities, can be because contracts don't get sent for a week, week and a half, and then you've got the whole candidate experience piece coming into it as well. So, DocuSigns and other suppliers. That do a similar, similar um, type of platform um, massively solve that problem. So if you're you know, direct employer, internal recruitment team, definitely be considering that. And I think um, slightly on an earlier point, but this is important here as well. Adoption rates are impressive. Mm. Um, and just to give a bit of meat on that bone, um, it used to take a long time to get people to be able to use new systems and adjust to what those new systems mean. But that's just no longer the case. Um, multiple reasons, you know, the user interfaces of new systems are much more intuitive. Ergonomics, give it the right uh, you know, name, have, have driven this thing such that people design systems, they introduce them and people can just use them as if they've been using them since birth. 
those yeah. those those stages that um, you know pilot it, roll it out, provide training, provide more training, provide more training, finally get people to start using it. Mm. It's not gone, but from being months and months and months, it's now it's now weeks. And I, I do like digital signing solutions and it was one that was very easy to adopt because people see the benefits so so quickly and there's no big hurdle to actually using it yeah yeah it's a game changer that and video like you mentioned so i'm a big fan of video myself so yeah totally agree yes. we can't escape from social media though can we no absolutely not no yeah podcast i did with last one with natasha holland talking about tiktok opened my eyes to, to how you know your recruitment's changed and that from and accessing graduates and I didn't think before that podcast well you've got a whole talent pool there who aren't going out and applying for job ads in the same way that I might have done yes and it, it and it's so, so you've got the you know the front end of attraction you've got the uh, I think the ongoing all the way through the process that level transparency that now exists um, so there will be candidates going for a, preparing for a job interview. They'll do a TikTok video. Uh, they'll want to record the actual interview, whether they can or not is a different story. If they can't, after the interview, they'll do another TikTok video about how it went and they'll talk about their experience. They'll then do one about preparing for the second interview. They'll do the one how the final went. They'll talk about their onboarding process. This transparency that's um, yeah. uh, the age we, we, we live in now is, I think, sort of good thing in lots of ways um, but certainly it's going to be a major driver of uh, good practice on everything to do with recruitment and hiring yeah yeah so to totally agree totally agree on the on the candidate um front then because we've kind of moved into the the realm of of talking about candidates now and how how that changed i mean we we know um salaries have, have increased. I would say the leveling out now to an extent. We're not seeing the drastic rises and expectations that we saw coming out of COVID. They are still increasing, but not at the the same same rate. Um, what what what's your take on um, candidate side of it from? Of successful recruitment to recruit successfully what do people need to clients hiring manager needs to be aware of from a candidate side oh so many good questions mike how that um, put me on the on on the spot um so you are right uh we came out of covid uh there was a significant shortage of the uh, um, candidates on the marketplace and clients were competing with each other uh, to source people and that had a huge upward driver on salary rates. Um, the economy is not growing at the same rate now as it was then. I think that whole thing has softened and therefore then the using salaries as your major tool to hire people and that competition to drive starting salaries up again has, has softened and I think we'll see low single digit rises this year. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I'm the best person to talk about that. The ONS does some really nice research in that area. So does the REC. And I, you know, I, I definitely read it. So I think I'm in line with their, their thoughts. Yeah. But I do think the other element uh, that keeps playing out is the other side of why a candidate joins a company. Um, I'm nervous about, uh, and we've all seen, haven't we, these surveys of the top three reasons candidates choose to join a company. And sometimes salary ends up and compensation ends up number three and number two. And I don't believe that. I've never believed that. I've always believed you have to get the salary right, the compensation package right. Otherwise, the person's not even interested in terms of how good a company you are and how exciting the product is and how nice the role is and their development and all this kind of stuff. But as long as you've squared away the compensation to be in the right space for the individual, mm. then suddenly all these other things start coming into play. And and it comes back. This is all about people. It, it stays all about people. So can you build a relationship with your prospective employee that they want to work with you can you build a you know a space whether that's um, uh, you know a modern office or a, a hybrid environment or a full remote environment that they feel engaged and they're going to get something positive out of it yeah 
and then you start there's loads of elements there isn't there in terms of um, development uh, opportunities to grow your career training uh, supporting environmental issues whatever it might be yeah you struck a chord um, with me there graham on something that you've said so i've been talking to the team this week one of the changes that or the the the, the, the short-term changes that we've seen in the market is that you've got employers who are being more selective about who they bring on and who they recruit because they're, they're less open to maybe taking a punt than they might have been 12 months ago but even more so now because they're tightening the belt somewhat but you've still got a really candidate driven market as well so the candidates have got that much opportunity that much choice as well that for employers to recruit successfully in this marketplace and they still need to very much think about building that relationship through the recruitment process, really engaging talent and really focusing on selling their opportunity to candidates because from the candidate's perspective, they've still got an awful lot going on. They've still got a lot of opportunities. So the owners are still very much on the on the employer to sell the opportunities to the candidate, which is we're seeing a little bit of a disconnect in that because employers' expectations have risen slightly in terms of what they're looking for. And I think what that's um, you are right. The uh, you know September October last year, all the economic news was fairly negative, wasn't it? And we started mm. seeing a slight change, and the amount of change that happened uh, was less from the candidate side and more from the employer side. Mm. Um, so you, yeah, I, I can visualise this. It, it's a, it's a thing, isn't it? If you when you're hiring someone are you impressed because someone's put a lot of work into the interview mm. or are you impressed because the person's going to be very good at the job you're hiring for yeah it's two and, different things yeah, yeah. there's yeah. an overlap in there but they are different things and um and as you say if you expect a candidate to jump through multiple hoops because you want to be someone who's certain they want this job is that really the right criteria the right selection point yeah, we, yeah and you, you do want a candidate to be interested clearly you do yeah yeah that's certainly been our experience what we've we've seen um in some situations very very recently where you've had employers that have been really keen for candidates to um be totally sold on their job and only their job um, and it's it's actually turned some candidates off and some candidates have gone through other opportunities as well. So I guess the message is it's still very much a, a candidate driven market um, and being appreciative of that is uh, is definitely going to help help you if you're a direct um, employer, if you're you know, an internal talent team to to recruit effectively. I think so. And I, I do think in terms of the space we operate in, um, you want a good person for the job. Um, and I don't think in my 30 years experience and three recessions, um, it's ever been a case that there is an overflow of really good candidates for a, for a job. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying it doesn't swing at all. Um, and clearly, sometimes it's easy and sometimes it's harder. And sometimes you need to be uh, push the salary limits more for your role. And I, I do get it. It's not a static thing. But I don't really remember ever being, oh, yes, and here's a selection of 10 perfect candidates for your job yeah. and take your pick and the other nine will just sit there waiting in case your first one doesn't work out. So there's always a, an element of, uh, yes, you, you want to select, but you want to be selected yeah. by your candidate. And um, love a bit of syntax, so just to drive this as an internal conversation. I've tried to help BMS move away from the using the word applicant to using the word candidate. Right, okay. And because an applicant has an association of someone who is applying for the position and is the one driving the need to get the position, mm. whereas a candidate does not have that uh, in its definition whatsoever. Yeah. And I think that's more reflective to what recruitment actually is. Talk a bit more about about that. What made where where did that sort of idea thought process where did that evolve from? Well, and, and thank you for asking. So um, when I think about this successful recruitment, and I talk about the most important thing about aligning our metrics internally with externally, 
the danger of using some of the wrong terminology just becomes deep seated. Mm -hmm. So by us counting the number of applicants uh, as opposed to the number of candidates we're working with, it yeah. just changes the thought process and the language from the word go. Yeah. And then from a client's perspective, do they really care that we had 10,000 applications or 20,000 applications or 5,000 applications? Yeah. Well, they do want us to cast a big net, and I get that. But what they really want is someone who's going to help them achieve their business goals that they have set out for this year. And whether that's have no drive 20% growth, and hence to do that, they need more people in their team or they need people with expertise in areas that they're missing currently. Yeah. So that's a very different thought process and metric and things that they're counting than that we're counting. Yeah, it's a mindset shift, but I absolutely love it. I think it's golden. I really do. And it's so representative of the market that we're in at the moment. We talk about candidate driven, but from our side, we, we know. And again, if you're an internal talent team person listening to this, a recruitment professional or a hiring manager, you will know that it's hard to find good talent from advert response harder than it maybe has been for you know a long long time and we see more and more candidates that certainly we find for our clients who are passive and we see candidates that we talked about TikTok who've changed how they approach their job search so changing your mindset from applicant to candidate is it could be a bit of a game changer I think for for companies as well I think it's a, a really good thing it's um one of these challenges, isn't it? So one of the things I look at in my role, and I think it, it, I think of it as a wheel. Um, so what I'm doing is looking at where all the people we work on behalf of, how they're interacting with BMS, where where that journey starts. And uh, um, you know, over the years, it's changed a lot. And uh, back at the very beginning, uh, it was classified advertising in newspapers, and then job boards, and then job boards with social media, and then. Yeah. Uh, the more proactive approach with um, you know, LinkedIn's a very obvious example. We reach out towards passive candidates and we drive an engagement. You know, social media started appearing on that wheel and we're looking to grow that. Mm. Um, but that involvement uh, still comes back to the same thing. Uh, one of our fundamental tasks is finding the best available person for a client when they're trying to achieve their goals. And it's not enough to just, well, yeah, we advertise on Monster. Uh, other job boards are available. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it's not. It's, it's just not enough, is it? So, um, yep. if if we want to lay claim to be able to do that, to provide this premium service, yeah, with my marketing hat on for a second, it's where the audience is. Yeah. So, if your audience is on TikTok and you're very focused on the uh, the the graduate end of the demographics, then yeah, be on TikTok. Yeah. Great. We're shortly getting towards the the end of the podcast. We've been on for an hour, which is um which is mental. But before we um before we do, I want to um touch on diversity and inclusion. This is um an area that has definitely changed and will continue to change, and it will become it's it's front and let's say it's front and center for a lot of companies as now at the moment in terms of recruitment strategy. That it tries to find a company that isn't talking about it. Are we harder? Um. What's your take on on this and how how, how this um, becomes part of successful recruitment? So um, part of successful recruitment, if you are closing off talent pools at the very beginning of your search, how can you claim to be attracting the best talent? I, I just yeah. I just don't get the logic there. And thankfully, the vast, 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 vast majority of companies are already past that that point in time. And and it's all about removing barriers now, isn't it? So mm. uh, a piece of software that I thought is quite interesting, I don't know how much of an impact it's had, but to name a company, because I think they've done a good thing, uh, Broadbean, when you write an advert and you put it onto Broadbean, Broadbean actually give you a gender neutral score right. on the advert. Okay. Um, it's an automated thing, and it looks at the words you use in the advert, and it will come back to you and say, oh, no, I think that's a little bit too male-dominated or that's a little bit too female-dominated. And it will give you a score. Is it a piece of AI or do they monitor it themselves and then no, feedback no, to you? It's a piece of AI. Right. Um, and it's just something that's just there. So we're starting to see these things appearing in different places. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
and I think it's great. And uh, you know, I know we talked about this one specifically. We're working with a client who I won't name, but it's, this is the first time I've seen this. They have included a bonus for their recruitment partner if the recruitment partner manages to find them a candidate that secures the job from an underrepresented group, right. they pay a higher fee. And I've not seen that before. So I'm not saying it's actually the, the very first time. It's the first time I've seen it. So this, taking a pro, I mean, that's a real proactive step, isn't it? So we want to achieve this. And because it's one of our core business goals, we are going to take an active step to encourage it. Yeah, it's not something i've seen i think it's a, a great idea for companies that are really looking to drive that but once you said it it's possibly a little bit obvious as well i think i think other companies was well, well, that could be something that that we, that we see more and more of well that's really interesting what else can um companies do then from a dni perspective to recruit successfully just outside these two points we talked about the eye focus job ads incentives for recruitment partners well one of the ones i think uh drives the challenge side so this one's possibly not quite as positive as the other two um lots of people like to recruit someone that they think they can work effectively with they like they get a gut feel for and there's lots of different language innuendos in there um but ultimately this ends up being someone who is like them that can drive uh, building teams of very similar people and therefore they're not hitting your DNI goals. So some of the ways of they um, uh, pushing back against that, uh, kind of using some more of the blind tactics. So removing certain information from CV so you can't tell uh, these things and so assumptions get removed. So um, uh, I know there's a little bit of that that goes on. And the other side of it is by having different people in the interviewing process who are diverse themselves right okay yep and therefore then um you'll then get different views and different things coming out of it that can generate some really good conversations about and challenging assumptions about who could be a good recruit for the company yeah that's great advice but painful as well yeah People yeah. like to make their own decision. They they, they they do. They do. They do. But we're all evolving and changing. And this whole podcast is about the change and face of successful recruitment. And change can be tough kind of at times. And you can see yeah. where big corporates have a you've taken a lead on this as well. It's a um, yeah. and it, it as you get into the SME space, it gets it definitely gets tougher. Yeah. But it's still good advice, I think. Great. Yeah. Excellent advice. OK, so. To finish off with, and we haven't got a, a, a mystical ball, but I feel like we're in a place where we can make pretty good educated guesses as to, you know, how the face of successful recruitment might change you know, over the next few years. What would your three predictions be um, and what tips would you like to leave the audience with as to how they can stay competitive in the race for talent? So bit of a mixed bag of a question but one that'd be good to finish on okay so forecasting first um we are in an enormous race at the moment in terms of uh, how technology is changing the way we work of which chat gbt is the, the 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 big example isn't it um i think um it will get everywhere and good companies are going to bring this in but i worry that technology will diminish the human element as well mm. So I do think there'll be some pushback in terms of it's great that we can process 20,000 CVs in three seconds flat and surface the 10 that are most likely to be a fit for the company. Mm. But I don't think that'll work. That bit will work. Yeah. But without the human element, I think that will drive its own host of problems. Yeah. So I'm uh, that automation is both a great big enabler, but it will need really positive humans with strong feedback, which are, I guess, close partnerships uh, to actually drive quality as well as just quantity. I think there's something big in there going to happen over the next year or two. And the other one with my my dear crystal ball, um, we talk a lot about EVP, don't we, in terms of it's important to have the right employer brand and these things are so important. And I think the 
worry of reputational damage to your EVP for whatever it will be will start being part of a risk factor that companies will be reporting on in their accounts and taking active steps. Um, and I and I think that's going to become. Yeah. And in terms of tips, um, oh well, uh, top tip, trying something that's going to be. I think uh, talent is as much about uh, engagement as it is about development. So. Getting the right person through the door. Yep. What you do with that person once they've got through the door, double yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's probably a, a happy place to finish on if that's a good enough tip absolutely. for you, Mike. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Graham, thank you. Really, really enjoyed that. And absolute privilege to, to have you on and pick your brain and get into some of these meaty subjects. Really, really enjoyed it. So thanks for coming on. No, loved every moment. Brilliant. Great. Well, thank you, everyone. Thanks for tuning in once again to another episode of the Recruitment Roundup. Next week will be the season one finale, while I'll be joined by our MD, Phil Mellows Facer. So please, please join in for that. So that wraps up another episode of the Recruitment Roundup podcast. Thank you very much for listening to the show to watching the show um, we really appreciate your support it would be absolutely fantastic um, if you could give us a rating on Apple on Spotify give us a review um, any feedback really really helps and is massively appreciated so thank you once again for joining us and we will hopefully see you again next week <laughs>